This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, to Orr! First time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! The Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 149 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins are out west. They defeated the LA Kings 5-2 last night. Uh, is it the Staples Center, the Crypto.com Arena? Or? Crypto now. Yeah. So uh, pretty, pretty impressive win considering the possibility of a letdown after travel and uh, the winter classic. Um, I guess, guys, maybe your initial takes, but there's obviously a, some important Bruins news that came out this week as well that's going to affect the team for the next couple of months. Or at least for the next month, and that's Jake DeBrusque uh, out with hand and lower body injuries suffered in the Winter Classic. Um, Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff reported that it was a fractured fibula, which, it you know, the four-week timetable would indicate that, you know, probably a less severe fracture fibula is a non weight bearing bone. So those, you know, it's not as bad as if it was the tibia, which is the bigger bone in your leg and, and, you know, weight bearing bone. Um, so yeah, so no Jake DeBrusque for the next month, likely through the all-star break. So you know, I was looking at the calendar yesterday and, uh, if they hold them out, their first game after the all-star break is February 11th which would actually be five weeks at that point. So the all-star break kind of buys you an extra week in there. Um, you know, I guess it's possible he returns before the all-star break, but it doesn't really seem like there's any need to to rush him, you know, especially where you, ha- you would have that extra week built in. So, you know, their first move, they call up Chris Wagner to, you know, get them back to 13 forwards. Wagner did not play Thursday night because he just got into LA late Wednesday night, but he'll probably, he'll play this weekend. I bet Um, Montgomery reunites the perfection line now as his top line with DeBrusque out. And second line was Hall Krejci Zaka, which I didn't think had a particularly good, good game Thursday night. We'll probably touch on that at some point. Third line, Nick Foligno gets bumped up to the third line with Coyle and Frederick. And uh, that was the line that won you the game Thursday night. Trent Frederick scores twice in the third period, 34 seconds apart, and, you know, both goals on the same shift. Um, so, you know, we've seen, we saw early in the season, the Bruins had enough depth to overcome injuries, whether it was Marchand out, McAvoy out, 
Carlo at one point, Krejci. Like, we've seen them do this. They, they'd been healthy for a decent stretch here prior to the Winter Classic. Um, but now you get another key injury thrown in. And, you know, obviously, DeBrusk having easily the best season of his career on pace to shatter his career high in points. Um, you know, second second on the team in goals. Like, he's he's been having a great season. It's It's really unfortunate for him, but you know, it should be an injury that he makes a full recovery from well before the trade deadline and, and playoff push. So, you know, you hope that he's able to just kind of pick right back up where he was. All right. Well, that's the pod, guys. Thank you for covering everything, Scott. Um, <laughs> pretty sure that's all we got here today. No, um, it's true. You, you you ran the table on that one for a second. Uh, to go back to the DeBrusque part of it, he scored both the goals in the Winter Classic with are already injured, um, which makes it even more impressive what he was able to do in the third period of the Winter Classic. And Montgomery said he had no idea, like he was really nursing anything. Like there was no sign of it. He just like went back to the bench and just played as if he was perfectly fine. We talked to him after the game in the press conference. He seemed happy and like there wasn't any sort of like indication that he was in pain. Um, but that's how yeah, he, he had the walking boot. He, he had the walking boot, which where I was sitting for the press conference, I couldn't even see because I was I like on the other it. side of the side of the table. So didn't didn't notice that until uh, the video afterwards. And Lena Solmark was distracting us with his uniform <laughs> and his his cleats that he put his feet up on the table. So um, but yeah, so DeBrusque, it it's kind of it's going to be frustrating for him, like all the, all of the press that he got for the winter classic was very, very positive. And everybody was like, Oh, look at this, Jake. Like we, we knew because we're in Boston and we follow it more closely, but like he was having like a moment on the national stage and then to to have it come out like, okay, now he's going to take a month off. Um, it's gotta be kind of a bummer for him, but the good news is that it is only a month. Um, and nothing, usually if you have a fracture somewhere in your leg, you're not just out for a month. So, I mean, that's, that's the positive of it. And they're able to bring the perfection line back together as kind of an easy solution. You, most teams, when you lose a first line winger, you're like, oh crap, like, what are we going to do? But the Bruins have pasta not great there to step in and it's not too bad. And the rest of the rotation in the lineup wasn't that crazy either. Hall's played with Krejci before, and we've seen that duo work um in the past Zaka can play pretty much anywhere so they move him over to the right side and then Felino is good enough to play on a third line so it's not like you're elevating people that can't play those roles and then Wagner um I, I haven't been paying too much attention to how he's been playing recently in Providence but um we know he's got that mindset of an NHL player and he can play a grinding fourth line role so it, when when all said and done you lose a first line winger but everything kind of still fills out and doesn't look too out of place however during that Kings game I saw a lot of things I was like I just feel another injury coming on like you just have to hope it doesn't pile on because there was a point in time where McAvoy was shaking out his ankle and there was a point in time where um, I think it was Greer and Smith collided with each other and I was like oh well Smith's not getting up too fast and then at the end of the game, Swayman got landed on and he was shaking out his left leg for a while. And I'm just sitting here like, if there's if there's anything piling onto this, 
that's when you're you're like, okay, the Bruins just went from the first place team in the Stanley Cup favorites to okay, well, this could be their their rough patch that they're about to hit that we haven't seen them hit yet. What's that song? I was when I saw Smith and and Greer collide. It was like you and I collide. <laughs> you know, it was uh, I was just like some you know, peewee hockey type stuff right there. <laughs> they didn't even see each other. I kind of And by the bad. way, Greer got up and, and did not help Smith up. I was like, he just turned around and went to the bench. I was like, just help him up for a second. Well, you just feel so bad for Smith because like he's trying to do everything he can to like make an impact. And you can tell he's like really trying to make an impact. Like he's overthinking to an extent. And then it's just like, oh no, nothing can go wrong for him. All right. I, thought, I thought I was watching the, the Patriots offense. You know, a couple of weeks ago when you had Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith run into each other. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, and that would be a really bad way to get, the, like, an injury in your bottom six. Like, oh, they injured each other. Well, especially while they're out west, and it's not the easiest road trip to, to send uh, send in the artillery. But uh, quickly on DeBrusque, like, what a, what a 180 the last 13 months have been for him, 14 months. Like, you talk about November of 2021. Uh, you know, obviously requesting a trader or, or at least it becoming public knowledge to the fan base and his well-documented behind the scenes relationship with Cassidy. Although we don't really know the, too many details, but we can kind of read the tea leaves. And then you fast forward to the winter classic and it's just, he's, he's, he's calling it, you know, the highlight of his life. I know you guys brought this up last, last episode uh, post winter classic, but it's just, it's just glaring uh, how much happier and a better place he seems to be. And um, right or wrong, you know, blaming an, or, you know, you want to pin it on a new coach, a new voice, whatever. You can have your opinion on that. But the fact is that, you know, he seems to be in a much better place. It's, it's kind of objective at this point. And uh, the injury comes at a tough time for sure, but it's a long season. And if you if you have aspirations to go till June, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise to give some guys some some rest, even though it, um, sometimes injuries can be season ending. This isn't one of those, but also it, it allows guys to to step up, see what they have internally. And I guess as you guys kind of talk to off the top, that first, yes, you can always rely on Pasternak, Martian, and Bergeron, but the Bruins are really going to need Hall, Krejci, and Zaka, as you guys talked about, to, to really, really do something. Obviously last night, and we're going to get to the third line, they're – Coyle and Frederick have been awesome pretty much all year, regardless of the third player on that line. But that second line, and I know you wrote about it, Scott, and we spoke about it on previous episodes, but uh, when it was Pashnak with, with Krejci and, and Zaka struggling, I just, it, for me, like, and we talk about it goes back to, to Krejci. It's just every time, I don't know. It's it's really hard to, to, to pinpoint. It just seems like he's a step behind, uh, even for himself. And, the line, as you guys talked about, wasn't great last night. And so they're going to have to be much better because there's too much talent and skill on that line. And I think last night was a good game to see what they can do because although it was their first game together, probably in a while, I'm sure there's been a spurt where they were together. Uh, the Kings play feisty. And Bridget, you talked about how it seemed like they narrowly escaped more injuries last night. The Kings play a very feisty style of play and they play a playoff style of play and they bring it. And so that was the type of game you're going to play in the playoffs. And how did, how did that second line fare? And a little quiet for my liking, but let's, I guess we'll give them some more time to be fair. 
Yeah, like Lemieux and Deneau are guys that you want to avoid, like, and and they're guys that'll hunt you out. Like when the Kings played in Boston, Marshawn and Deneau were going at it, and Marshawn got a little bit banged up, like he had a cut on his face, and then. Lemieux had a big hit on McAvoy that luckily he saw coming and he braced for. Um, And then obviously Lemieux finished out with a fight against Frederick. So those are the guys that are like, you know, that they're kind of, I wouldn't say headhunters, but they're, they're, they're guys who are going to try to make you pay if you, you know, play the puck in the wrong area and, and, or, you know, just they get agitated. So yeah, that was the kind of game that I was like, okay, well, they're clearly like kind of going at McAvoy a little bit. Um, Marshawn has a history with Deneau, so you just you just don't know. Yeah, and and Frederick Lemieux turning into one of the great fight trilogies of, of our time. They've that was now, a great fight. That was a really good fight. And they've now, and by- they've now fought each of the last three seasons. And all three of them, the first one was probably, I, I rewatched them all last night, and the first one was okay the last two have been really good fights and like wild swings you're like man like if if one of these guys really connects on one of these like it could actually do some damage like they're they're just letting it fly um and yeah last night they both landed a couple shots neither one goes down um you know obviously frederick gets the ultimate win going on to score the two goals in the third period um but yeah there's there's definitely no love lost there. Frederick was asked about it on Nesson after the game. And uh, he said that, hold on, let me pull up the exact quote here. He was kind of running around on the first, so I definitely thought about it. When he came up to me, I can't ever say no to him. I'm not a big fan of him. So every chance I get, I try to do it. And I feel like it was kind of one of those classic fights too, where like, they knew they were going to do it. They talked about it before the, they dropped the puck. Immediately, puck goes down, gloves are off. They It was planned, uh, at least somewhat in advance, maybe a few seconds, maybe a few minutes, who knows. Um, and, that, and then uh, Frederick pulls the like old school, I'm going to pull this guy's shirt over his face and just try to wail on him while he can't see. And then Lemieux tried it back. And they both lost their helmets and they both, and then you see Frederick laughing afterwards because he does that usually. And he also is in the box looking at his knuckles because there's just blood. Like he, I almost feel like with helmets and visors, like you hurt yourself more than you hurt the other guy in the fights. Like if you're landing like headshots, like you're, you're just busting your knuckles up. And DeBrusque was just, I mean, not DeBrusque, Frederick was just in the box, just like checking out the damage to his own knuckles that he did. Yeah, Frederick Frederick fights like uh Eric Carlson plays hockey. No defense. He just he just goes out there, he just he just swings wildly and hopes something happens. But I think he's a little tapped. He's got a few screws loose, so I don't think he really cares and you kinda you kinda like that in a player. I, I, I will say like I I think the Bruins to a player that they, they really respect the role that Trent Frederick is carving out for himself in this team. Because they know, yes, Nick Foligno can drop the gloves. Yeah, AJ Greer can talk, can drop the gloves. But Frederick, just being a young younger player, and uh, also growing as a player, and 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 starting to fill the back of the net, and you can just we we've we've talked about it. You can just see the confidence. He's he's a completely different player, and that happens. Like like uh, when you watch players in high school and college. A lot of times when they're a freshman or a sophomore, 
you know, the, the moment's a little big for them because you're playing uh, players that are older than you that have been there and done that. And, you know, obviously by the time you're a junior or senior, you, you get that confidence. Now you're just off and running. And the NHL is the same way. Like It's very intimidating to come into a league. At, uh, I don't think Frederick was there at 18. He was probably there at maybe 19, 20. But it's just it's a it's an intimidating game to play. You need to take some time to find your own legs. And only only the real special players in this game, like the Crosbys and the McDavid's and guys like that, can step in at 18 years old and be, you know, standouts in the league. So uh, you can definitely see the development in Frederick and the confidence, more importantly. And again, another game where he he fights, he's on the score sheet. There, there's something to it when he's when he's engaged and, you know, it's just uh, he's a very effective player for them. That line is, was really good for them last night. Um Nick Foligno has stepped, he stepped in and he's just continued his, his strong play this year. Um, again, Felino's speed is just, it wasn't there last year. Like there was, there was one play, I want to say it was in the first period where, where the Bruins were in their D zone structure and they broke up a play at the top of the circles and Felino just took off with Frederick and gained separation. And it was a two on one and didn't finish the playoff, but you just watch it. You're like where that, that, that wasn't there last year. Um, so the play of Frederick and Felino coming, considering that they were on the roster last year, their improvement this year, I, I think it's fair to say nobody saw that coming, maybe besides themselves and a couple of people in their lives. But um, it's 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 completely changed the outlook of this team because this team's had the high end talent for you know pretty much ever really, whether it was the pre Pashnecker or and McAvoy or now, they've always had high end talent, but it was. It was always, do you have that depth? And last year, the personnel is pretty similar. The results, much different. Um, so it's, it's it's fun to watch. It's, it really is. Yeah, and it's crazy to think back and remember that Frederick was a healthy scratch on opening night. Like, it's, it's not like he just, you know, came back from the summer and blew doors right away. Like, he had a pretty tough preseason you know, I think he was a little bit better in practice, so I won't say he had a tough training camp, but didn't do much in, in the preseason games and wound up as a healthy scratch because, quite frankly, he just hadn't earned a spot in the top 12 to that point. Um, you know, now it's... And I think sometimes it's tempting, especially like when it was Hall or even Zach on the third line, to sort of view Frederick as like the third piece there. But he's been every bit as crucial to that line's success as anyone. And, you know, I think you can certainly make the case that the Bruins have the best third line in the the NHL. And that's really been regardless of who the third guy in the line has been. Um, You know, Frederick, he's up to nine goals now. He's on pace for just about 20. Um, And they've all been at five on five. He doesn't play in the power play. So, you know, you look at, Five on five scoring. The only Bruins with more five on five goals than him this season, David Pasenak and Jake DeBrusque. Uh, he's first on the team in five on five points per 60 minutes. He, I had, so I have all this in my morning column. He is 14th in the entire NHL in five on five goals per 60 minutes. Like, it's crazy. He's, you know, he's making more plays happen and he's finishing his chances when he gets them. We've talked about this before, how he does actually have a good shot and some pretty good hands that he just we just didn't really see him use enough in, in past seasons. And you saw, really, you saw that on both of his goals. One, a nice deflection. The other gets 
the pass from Felino in front and, you know, doesn't just hammer it into the goalie, realizes that he has a time, takes it to the backhand and makes, you know, a really nice finish uh, flipping it past Phoenix Copley. It's, um, it's just such a huge turnaround. And he, after the game, gave a lot of credit to Jim Montgomery. Um, his Nesson interview with Sophia said, he said, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Monty. I think he's done a great job of kind of letting me play free and just putting confidence in me. He's been awesome for me and everyone. And again, that's even with, you know, seemingly that you would think that maybe that relationship early in the year, not getting off on, on a perfect foot with again, Frederick being a healthy scratch. Um, but th- those two had known each other in the past because uh, they both have St. Louis roots. So I think like the, there's some history there, especially Montgomery with Frederick's dad. So, you know, no, no doubt like that's been part of it, but a lot of it has just been what Frederick's done to, to kind of turn himself around and have the, this breakout season and emerge as a really key piece on, on the best team in the league. Yeah. And, and Frederick also, we, we mentioned this in the past is second on the team and plus minus, and that's not easy to do. Um, Lindholm's first Carlos tied with Frederick at plus 19. Like usually you see defensemen up there pretty high in the plus um, leading a team, but he's there at plus 19, which is kind of like gone under the radar for a lot of people. And it's always funny to me to see him like away from the game or even on the bench when he's not taking a shift and like just how the relationship between him and Charlie Coyle has developed because um, at the winter classic, uh, those two are just out there for like a half an hour, just throwing a football back and forth to each other. And I just, I get this sense. It's kind of like big brother, little brother with them now, um, now that they've played together for a while. And, and I think they have that kind of a relationship where they, you know, there's some sort of like coil taking him under a wing a little bit where he's like, okay, man, like you're good at this, like helping him with his confidence as well. Um, you just get, kind of get that sense from those two being on the same line. The Yeah. I've noticed that too, Bridget. Um, and, and it's, 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 it's shown on the ice, like, like whether it's Felino or Hall, um, or, you know, whomever uh, on that line with them over the course of the season, that line's just been very consistent in what they do. And a lot of that stems on the on and off ice relationship between those two players you just mentioned and, and their chemistry on the ice. And for Frederick, the the light bulb has has gone on. The, the switch has flipped, as people uh, like to say. And, you know, sometimes in life when you realize you can you can do something, that's that's all you need to, to be able to have the confidence and and. Scott mentioned his two, his two goals, uh, one having hand-eye coordination, one having uh, patience and skill. Uh, that's add those to to the arsenal of ways he scored goals this year. Uh, in the past, it was a lot of like if, if Frederick scored a goal, it was kind of crashing a net or uh, went off a skate, and it was obviously very few and far between. This year, he's he's tipping in shots from the point. He's finishing with 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 nice four, forehand backhand deeks and tight. He's finishing on snapshots from the tops of the circle. He's so the only thing he hasn't really done is like the patented David Pasternak one timer. But that's that's most people don't do that. So I'm not uh, sure we're gonna see that. No, I don't think so. But uh, but the hand eye on that second goal was was pretty crazy, especially yeah. how fast that happened. And he was coming from behind the net too, so he like spins out 
to the front of the net real quick and gets a stick yeah. on it. And it, it just looked really nice. And Jack had just said like, Oh, he's only one assist away from the Gordie Howe hat trick. And I'm, I'm like, Oh, Oh, he's almost just got the assist. And the next thing you know, Oh, nope, he's got the goal. So, and by the way, that, that was his ninth goal. And now that's more than he's had in any season. He's only 35 games in to this season. And actually I was going back and looking at his stats from the other seasons. And the most games he's played in a season was last season was 60. So like, he's not, played that full slate of games but through 35 like you look at it and he's already got his career high in goals you just see the pace there for him and and you gotta imagine he's playing more than 60 games this season so um you know he's on he's on pace to have well he already has his best season as in his career statistically if we're talking about scoring and I'm, I'm sure that's this is his highest plus minus as well yeah last year he was plus 10 every other year he's been in the minus so now he's plus 19 as of right now so you're just looking at the stats and you're seeing a, a big improvement if you if you are comparing them to his other seasons but if you if you look at the if you look at this Bruins team through 38 games that's I think it's 30 no uh what are they at 42 games 30 what are they 30, no, th- no 38 38, 38 yeah. yeah 34 and 4 last night's an example of why this team so far through 38 games is a special team there's no guarantees that continues down the line, but so far. And it's because they're getting it from somebody else every single night. And like last night, like I mentioned, you're traveling to the West Coast. You're coming off of the, the high of the Winter Classic hype. And and Trent Frederick pulls you into the fight. Now, I think the Bruins are ready to play off the top, uh, off the get-go. I'm just saying, like, he, he gets in the fight with Lemieux. And he's the one to get the two big goals in the third period. So it's just... And Marshawn as well. Marshawn brings like brings you into the fight too. We haven't had a chance to talk about he brought, him. He brought, he brought the ref into the fight there. <laughs> yeah, he almost got himself in big trouble. But uh, he, the funny thing was, coach just let him be. Like he's he gets tripped. It was very obviously a trip. Gets up, starts dropping f words at the refs and at everybody. Gets called for unsportsmanlike. Ends up in the box for two minutes. Um, and then right after the power play ended for LA Pasternak scores um and you just and that was the game tying goal so you you see it kind of spark the energy um and we've seen it be a positive for him more often than a negative but it was kind of one of those games where for a second you're like all right maybe he's gonna get himself into trouble right now and maybe he's gonna make this worse but ends up like really getting their energy up in a game that could have been a letdown game because they just traveled changed time zones, three hour difference coming off a winter classic. That was like the main focus for a while. And um, obviously took a lot of energy and, and is more in the elements. Not that it was super cold, but still like there's other things that they were worrying about with that. And then you, you come in, you have your, your number two goalie in net, and there's definitely a chance that you're going to be low on energy just because of the like strain on your body from all the stuff I just said. Um, and so all of a sudden it goes from a normal game. That's kind of like has a potential to be a letdown and, and you just go, Oh, well get over it to having a lot of energy. Um, and it kind of seemed to start when Marshawn got all fired up and ended up in the box. Yeah. He was absolutely flying after that. And it's like, all right, he's either going to use, all this energy and anger for good and, and, you know, punish the Kings on the scoreboard or certainly maybe like in his younger days, you worry like he's going to 
he's gonna do something dumb here and get himself ejected or what or suspended um obviously used it for good started just making plays happen all over the place sets up Pasternak for the first goal of the game scores a second just stepping into a slapper on the power play um you five tell seconds like he, in to the yeah power you could tell play. like he, he just he just wanted to kill that puck like it was like it almost didn't even matter where he was shooting it like he was just gonna hit it as hard as he could and puts it right over copley's shoulder um yeah i mean that that was funny it was like i think the ref get was like okay i'm gonna give you the first six stick wax but now the one where it breaks and your shattered stick goes flying across the ice and the, gonna, the have, fact gonna have to like call it relentlessly screaming f you at him yeah. as well <laughs> so, and half his stick the reason why they had to call it like half his stick like ended up on the ice like he ended up holding with like a half a spear and then the other half of it's like out in the way so i mean it was definitely warranted i didn't think the refs do did a great job last night at all um they missed some things they called some stuff that was weak they even like there was like an offside call here or there that was like was it really like i don't know if you really nailed that like they said coil brought the puck back in when he did not like they called it offside and there was just some weird stuff with the refing that was going on yesterday yeah it, but you know just to circle back to Marshand, like he's had you know we've talked about like he's had some quiet games alternated with really good games and sometimes like it just takes something like this to to spark him and wake him up and um that in turn sparked the whole team and obviously you know frederick eventually takes over and and gets the two big goals in the third period but uh really starts with marshan bringing life to the team and he's gonna have to you know that i didn't think the I thought the perfection line had, had a good game, but not great. They they got pinned in on on one of the Kings' goals, um, and spend you know kind of, kind of shift that we're not used to seeing them have, especially with Grizzly and McAvoy as the D pair. Like we're used to those guys getting down in the offensive zone and cycling all over the place, and instead they were having that happen to them. Um, so certainly not a perfect game, but you know you want to see that line really step up now, especially with DeBrusque out and Martian's, you know, going to have to be a huge part of that because there's been times this year where he really hasn't quite been there, especially five on five. And, you know, he's, he said, uh, actually, I think just before the winter classic, he said he's starting to feel better. And, you know, the last few games he's starting to feel more like himself. So yeah, it was right after the Buffalo game. Yeah, which was the the last game before the Winter Classic that he was saying like, and he had mentioned to us that before in December that you know his he wanted to work on his conditioning. His conditioning wasn't quite there, and now he thinks it is, um, or at least close to being there because he was on like he was trying and having a difficult time because he's not used to it managing his shift lengths to to keep him a little bit shorter than usual so that he wasn't tired. Like, cause he was getting winded, like, and it was affecting him the next shift, the shift after that. Um, but now he feels like he's getting, getting there a little bit more with the conditioning part of it. And it all stems back to not having a lot of time to work up his conditioning with the injury, the, the double hip surgery that he needed to, 
recover from going into the season. So I do think as this, as we head along here now in the second half, like he he's gonna get he's gonna look more conditioned. He's gonna feel better, um, and he still has that ability to to flip the switch like we saw. So I I I'm not worried about it. Obviously, his goal once again is on the power play. <laughs> um, not that there was really all that much of an advantage that that he could have. Like it was essentially just as good as a five on five goal in my mind because it's five seconds in. So it's like you didn't have time to like move the puck around and use the the man like down for your advantage. So it's just like a really good shot. It had nothing to do with the fact that they had like a manpower advantage. But yeah, it's just definitely wanted to bring him up in terms of just sparking everything yesterday and he can do that. And the reason I was worried when I saw his reaction at first is because he is like someone that he suspended, like the NHL has suspended several times in the past. And like when you're seen as a repeat offender, like you go out there and you like, you have an angry shift and you, and you like target someone or whatever you end up (laughs) kind of ended up with a suspension, but luckily he's kind of, found a balance with that and he's matured whereas in the past like you're like okay that's what's coming um and over the past few seasons he's done a lot to try to like mend his reputation a little bit and not be like a repeat offender um in the past over the past few seasons Uh, i want to give a tip of the cap to john gruden Uh, scott john gruden is the he he's the one who's running the power play for the bruins right yes all right, I want to give him a huge tip of the cap because what creativity to to have a set play where McAvoy passes it off the skate of the opponent right to Marshan. <laughs> just like off the talk about innovative faceoff plays, like that's just how you draw it up right there. But yeah, Marshan was ready to fire right then and there. It was definitely a great shot. And uh, well, and on the broadcast they said like in the past we might have seen him try to try to move that puck and like pass it to someone else, but he was just in the mindset that I'm gonna make you guys pay and he just tees it off without any hesitation at all. And that's could be the difference, you know, with some of these goals for him. And I think he stared down the ref afterwards too. If I, I think, I think, I think he stared down the ref. Uh, but yes, Bridget, to your point and Scott, you, you as well, you, you're starting to see it come a little bit more naturally to Martian. And I think it's no coincidence. It's coinciding with, you know, the, the duration has been since his, his surgery and the reps he's had the last few months. We're heading into the, or we are into the new calendar year. And I think you'll start to see him um, more consistently, probably be himself a little bit more. Um, I did want to bring up Jeremy Swayman guys, because I thought it was a very entertaining game last night. I was surprised to see the, how few shots on goal. Um, not that I thought that anybody put up 67, like the hurricanes did, which by the way, how do you put up 67 shots <laughs> in a regular season game? But I don't know. Um, I thought it was a very entertaining game. And Swayman had a couple of uh, one, one remarkable left skate save uh on like a two-on-one backdoor play and then he also victor arvidsson had like a uh, a shot from the right circle that kind of snuck through swayman's six hole and as the puck was kind of spinning on the goal line um he was able to reach back and pull that back so uh and also i it seems like swayman's got he's gonna stick with that vintage look that retro look. i like it i, I do like too. it i do too Keep so, it rolling. so um what do you what what do you guys think of the goaltending in this 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 goaltending rotation uh the Bruins seem to have going right now? Yeah, I thought Swayman was really good again. Um, you know, had a huge sequence in the third period where he stops uh Anderson Dolan on a point blank chance and then like same shift, same 
offensive zone possession, a puck bounces out to Andre Kopitar alone in the slot, and Swayman stops that as well. Um, you know, he's he's been good for a little while now, and this is what you know, this is what the Bruins needed as they hit this heavier stretch of the schedule, because you're probably gonna see, you know, a 50-50 split or close to it for a little bit here where they have so many games with, you know, not many long layoffs. So um yeah, I think, you know, whatever went on the start of the season, whatever was causing some inconsistency, then he has the injury, but, you know, he comes back, takes him a little while, I think, to to get fully kind of back in gear. And now he is. And it's, you know, it's allowed them to really balance us out and not overwork Linus Allmark, who's, but by the way, just got named an all-star for the first time in his career, which obviously we knew was going to happen. He leads the NHL and wins save percentage and goals against average. Um, that would have been the but, snub of all snubs right there. Yeah. Well, now we'll see if Pasenak gets in. Pasenak has to win one of the three voting spots left. Is uh, McAvoy, would... McAvoy was also in it at one point. Was he not? Um, I don't know. I, there was three tried... Bruins that were there was three Bruins that were originally like in the running, and Allmark and Pasenak. I know were the first two. I don't know. When I tried to click on the NHL vote link last night, the website was crashed. So yep. good job by the NHL. Um, um I haven't, got, I haven't gone like... through to actually see who's on that ballot. The Bruins website has crashed my computer several times this season. Like that for some reason, it just like doesn't want to scroll and then, i don't know it, it something's going on with the nhl's websites but that's yeah a, that's well, an aside yeah way off topic but the, the nhl website has definitely gone slower i don't know why but like there's times where like i'll log on and scores will take like five seconds to load at the top and i'm like what anyways um what was i talking about oh yeah Allmark all-star game <laughs> um yeah so yeah, so the point I was going to make is at one point, like through a month of the season, Allmark led NHL goalies in minutes played because because Swayman had been inconsistent and then got hurt. So they were just riding Allmark. Now he's like 16th in minutes played for goalies. Like they've really reduced his workload. And, you know, we talked about how that was going to have, have to happen in the second half or around the middle part of the season. It's really already happened. Like, the, and Swayman playing like this allows you to just keep doing it. And, you know, if you want to get like bigger picture on it, that ultimately probably hurts Allmark's Vezina case. If he, you know, has played like 12 or 13 games fewer than a Connor Hellebuck. Um, but I don't really think, you know, that's not what's most important. What's most important is having Allmark fresh and ready for what you hope is a long playoff run. So if that, you know, cost some Vezina votes, then so be it. I think uh You'd rather probably have I, that Stanley Cup. Yeah, I think. I think Allmark and everyone else will be much happier uh with with the team's success. Yeah, and and one of those saves by Swayman, the one that, that I honestly thought it went in live, where it landed on the line and it was spinning and somehow just stayed put and didn't cross over and then he throws the stick, gets the stick behind it, and then puts the glove over it. Like Lindholm, like saw it sitting there and just like couldn't get to it. 
Um, you could like see it clicking in Lindholm's mind, like, oh my god, I gotta go, like, I gotta get this puck out. And before he could even get near it, Swayman already had had it taken care of. And I did think he had a really good game. And I think one of the things that plays to his advantage is like just his personality and his mentality, where like some people when they say like oh, you know, every game's different. You know, you forget about the last one and you look for and you don't look forward, blah, blah, blah. Like that's the right thing to say. And sometimes people just say it, but I, I, I Swayman means it when he isn't affected by, you know, some of the stuff, like maybe having a few bad games earlier in the year. Um, general, like generally positive person, um, not like you don't get the sense that he's like, overly critical of himself or anything like that. So that, that always makes it easier to bounce back and and get back your confidence. And he's definitely had it. He, I'm sure would have loved to play the winter classic. Um, You know, he was all hyped for that ends up, you know, backing up all Mark for it, but um, he, he doesn't get to do that event, but he's still able to make an impact when they do get him in, in LA, which they needed to, like they, they probably, would have been at a disadvantage if they had gone winter classic with Olmark and then flew all the way out to the West coast and went right to Olmark again. I think it only made sense to play Swayman there. So I, I think he's bounced back and a lot of it has to do with just like his personality and his mentality. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how many teams in the league wish they had one goaltender of their caliber and the Bruins have two of them. So uh, it's it's a huge reason why they are what they are, and, and I, I think it's important for uh, Bruins fans and and you know us alike to not take that for granted. Uh, goaltending is it, when you goaltending is interesting. When you have it, you can overlook it and expect it. When you don't have it, you realize just how important it is and and how valuable and uh, how rare it is to find what the Bruins have right now in that. Um, so. To circle back to the impact of Jake DeBrusque's, uh, you know, five weeks of, of being out of the lineup or so, uh, one one idea people have brought up has been, well, I mean, this might be a good time to give Fabian Lysel an opportunity to so internally. Before we jump to that, I just wanted to, I wanted to look this up and throw out one of my favorite stats to track is becoming uh, how much better the Bruins goaltending is than any other team in the NHL. So after last night, Bruins team save percentage of 927. Uh, second place is the Winnipeg Jets with the aforementioned Hellebuck at 918. Bruins almost 10 points better. At one point last week, it was 12. It was a 12 point gap. It was Bruins at nine or like two weeks ago. It was Bruins at 928 and Winnipeg was 916. It's you just don't usually see gaps like that between like the best goaltending team in the league and the second best, because like to get a, another nine point gap after second place, you have to go down to like the ninth place team. It's just, you know, and obviously almost been the biggest part of that, but now with Swayman coming on, it's, it's just crazy the way that they're able to rely on elite goaltending almost every game. Sorry for that was a quick little detour to, to stats corner and we are right. rerouting. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's it's um, it, it's 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 good to illustrate that Scott. It's important for people to really understand what it is we're talking about with the goaltending. Um, so I, I'll I'll throw it to you, Scott. Um, explain to people why patience might be a virtue uh, with the Bruins and Fabian Lysel and um, 
you know, Bruins fans also had a chance to watch him this past week uh, up in Canada at the World Juniors. Um, I guess just talk about the latest with him. People might want to see him now that the Bruins have an opening. Uh, obviously, they filled it with Chris Wagner for now, but uh, just I'll throw it to you guys. Yeah, well, you know, so I guess there's kind of two parts of this. One is, do the Bruins, you know, need to call up a scorer? And right now, you'd say it looks like they they should probably be okay. You know, you can move when you can move Pasternak up to the first line, Hall to the second, and Felino to the third. Like I think Bridget said it earlier, no one's out of place. Like those guys are all perfectly fine in those roles. That you know, that's really probably where they belong. They're all probably actually playing lower in the lineup than, you know, players of their caliber should anyways. Um, and the second part is, is Lysel ready? Because I would say, you know, if he's ready and you think like, Hey, he can handle this. then I absolutely wouldn't mind bringing him up for, for a few weeks and kind of giving him this, this first taste of NHL action, just in case you do need him at some point down the road. Um, the kind of wrench in this is that, you just mentioned world juniors. He had a, he had a tough world juniors, zero points in seven games. Um, got ejected from the bronze medal game against the U S which, you know, bronze medal game, whatever, but you still want to do well. Like that game still matters. You're still getting a medal if you win it. Yeah, and by the way, actually- that was such a close game and it went to overtime that like you could have, he, he would have helped the team most likely. Like that was a game he could have scored in. And that was a game he could have helped this well, country. Yeah, he could have finally put up points because that was an eight to seven game. Mm-hmm. Um, just goals galore. Uh, but yeah, it was it was actually his first shift of the game. He just throws Hits really like a bad hit. I, think, I don't think he was trying to hit the guy in the head, but he just lined it up wrong and, uh, you know, kind of threw a, a sloppy hit that rightfully resulted in a five minute major and a match penalty. Um, now, you know, my, my friend of the pod, Mark Diver, made this play on Twitter, and I agree with it. Like, ultimately, the fact that he is nearly a point per game player in the AHL um, is more important than the fact that he struggled at World Juniors. So, I'm not overly concerned that he had a tough World Juniors. Like, he's playing against older, more mature, more physical players in the in the AHL and he has 19 points in 20 games there. Nonetheless, you might want to just get him back to Providence and kind of reset after World Juniors um and you know not go immediately from a disappointing World Juniors to rushing him into his first NHL action. Yeah, and you're going from like team to team to team like you're going from Providence to playing for Sweden to playing for Boston if you were to get called up like that's that's a lot of like change <laughs> in a very short amount of time and I do think that if if you're like okay well you're you need to call him up because you're finding a lack of scoring that does that just says that there's some sort of like underlying issue that the Bruins first of all haven't had this season and they they don't want to be in a position where that's like what they have to do right like they they would be much happier if they're like sitting there like, no, 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 we don't need that a little added extra bit of scoring. Cause we're getting it from, you know, this player, that player, we're getting it from everyone, whatever. Um, I, at this point, I'm totally fine with it being like a Wagner or Lauco call up and it not being Lysel right away. Um, we don't, we don't really know how ready he would be 
for, for going right from being an AHL player to being on the first line. Um, if that is, if they slot him in exactly where like a one for one where Jake DeBrusque was. So it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily like, doesn't seem like the right time. Um, and the conditions just aren't really there. And luckily for the Bruins, it's not like a, they don't need to make any sort of desperation move. They can let him stay in Providence and both, both sides would probably be better for it. Yeah. You know, like, like we said, like the, the only way I could see it is if they do actually start struggling to score goals at some point here and he clearly looks ready. Like let's say he gets back to Providence in this next week or so and has a couple of games and, you know, maybe, you know, a week and a half, two weeks from now you decide, Hey, you know what? We're, we're going to give him two weeks before the all-star break before DeBrusque returns. And I think you, you nailed you know, where you would put him. I, I think you would want to put him with Bergeron and Marchand. Um, you know, we were talking about how that, how the Krejci line has struggled a bit in, in its own zone, struggled to kind of win back possession and get going the other way. I think that's probably the biggest question mark in Fabian Lysel's game is the defensive side. So you wouldn't really want to put him on that line and kind of create another defensive question mark. Um, you'd put him with Bergeron and Marchand where it's like, those guys can do the heavy lifting on defense and, you know, sort of cover up for them a little bit there and then hopefully get going on offense. You would obviously in that scenario have Postnock back with Krejci. So, you know, I wouldn't totally rule it out. I, it's not going to happen right away, but if, you know, we're talking maybe later this month, it, it wouldn't surprise me. But again, I think the, the first thing first and foremost has to be, is that what's best for Fabian Lysel? And, you know, if he if he needs time in Providence, like I said, to kind of recover from World Juniors or whatever, and he's just not quite ready, then, then that's fine. You you have enough depth, you know, barring another injury, which obviously could happen, but we can't predict. Um, otherwise, the Bruins should have enough depth to, to get through this stretch and be fine. Yeah, and, and it depends, like, if if what they really just need is a depth add, then that's why Wagner makes sense. Yeah. Like if you're just looking for another guy who can play NHL, like at the NHL level, be and Wagner's also a veteran, so like his role is understood right away, and it's not like okay, I and, and he just fits in on a fourth line. That's like a natural spot for him. So no, I don't. I to the Lysel point, like I'm sure it'll come back up too. Um, as we go along here, cause it's a lot of time, like we mentioned, it's not, you know, think it's not season ending or anything close to it, but still four to five weeks is still a long time. So I assume that this topic of conversation will come back up. We'll keep an eye on how Lysel is doing in Providence in the meantime. And, um, you know, maybe at some point here in the next few weeks, if it seems like he might come up, we'll probably have Mark Diver on again. One of our, you know, our, uh, colleague who watches Lysel all the time um, in order to get a little bit more clarity on um, whether or not he's ready. Yeah. And I should also note on Lysel um, on the broadcast for the bronze medal game, uh, Dave Starman speculated that perhaps he was dealing with some sort of injury. Um, people said that there was By the a way, game love Starman. The... Starman's the best. Yeah. Someone on Twitter said that there was a game earlier in the tournament where it looked like he was banged up, maybe favoring his shoulder a little. So 
that could also be a factor in, in maybe why he, you know, didn't have the best tournament, obviously. Um, and, you know, also, like, some of the games I watched, he, he had chances. It's not like he was completely invisible. I think, you know, he hit a post against Finland in the, what was that, the quarterfinals, I think. Um, you know, so it, it wasn't like the no points really stands out. That's that's tough. Like, he was expected to be one of Sweden's top offensive players, and you end up with a goose egg. Um, but, you know, there were some chances, and you wonder, like, maybe if if he gets a bounce at some point early in the tournament, does that change it, kind of open it up? And like I said, it's possible there's an injury situation there anyways, which would kind of make the whole discussion around a call-up even, even more moot. Yeah, exactly. And, and maybe it's a learning moment for him that he can, you know, take out of it, you know, find a way to get himself back on track and, and maybe it helps him in the long run. But like I said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, Scott, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we head out? No, I think we're good. Brian, uh, Brian already took off. He had a, he had a hard out, so you won't, won't be getting any final thoughts from him. Um, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I think we're all set. Okay. So next game for the Bruin, another 1030 puck drop. Um, this time against San Jose on Saturday. Um, and then they have a little bit earlier of a game, but still late. Um, like you're thinking, you know, Saturday, Sunday game on the West coast. You, wouldn't you think they'd be a little earlier cause it's a weekend, but no, um, 10 30 on Saturday against San Jose. And then that's the first of a back-to-back. They play Sunday at 8 30 PM at Anaheim. Um, unnecessarily late. I'm sure we'll have our complaints about that. I will say, though, the game against L.A. was so entertaining that I didn't think about turning it off. Like, that was the one positive thing about about just the way that game went was it was just all the way through I was hooked. Like, I wasn't turning it out. And I think Brick made a joke like, I hope you didn't tune out at this point or, like, I hope you're not putting the rest of the game on record, Um, which I know a lot of people who did. But um, it was – hopefully they make it worth our while again to stay up on Saturday night at, with a puck drop at 10:30. Yeah. By the way, speaking of the Nesson broadcast, Jack was in rare form after the no call on the Marsh. Would you trip. call like, that rare form or would you call that well or pretty much peak par for the form, course? I guess. I don't know. He, peak he, form. Yeah, he turned it up to 11. Yeah, well, I actually wrote down some of the some of the things he said including that, but the other one was revenge is a dish best served cold. Takes a long pause as in on ice and yeah. then <laughs> appreciated the, the clarification on exactly where you're going with it. because he i knew he wanted to say it and he took a second he was like you guys know what i mean i mean on ice <laughs> haha wasn't it funny um and then he also said frederick was given lemieux noogies and i was like i could have done without that commentary over what was a good fight and then he's like oh noogies and i'm like nope you killed it you, you ruined it you killed it um i always write it down But anyway, I think that's it for us. So we will talk to you, I think, after the Anaheim game because it'll be a quick turnaround for us on the back-to-back. So look for something up Monday, um, so January 9th. And um, until then, we'll talk to you.